it's 6 p.m. and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, November 28th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. A battle is brewing over whether Joshua trees should be included on the endangered species list. And, as the California report discovers, the debate is anything but straightforward. Then, in today's national native news, we travel 200 miles off the coast of Alaska to the small island of St. George. As always, we've got your local news and weather before KVMR's Felton Pruitt gets the details about this Friday's Small Business Summit hosted by Sierra Commons. That's all coming up in the next half hour. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. California workers who lose employer-based health coverage during labor disputes will have access to fully subsidized plans under a bill to take effect next summer. Reporter Stephanie O'Neill has more. Freezing health insurance benefits during labor disputes is one way employers try to get employees back to work faster. But a law to take effect next July could allow workers to stay on the picket line longer. The state will provide striking private sector workers with fully subsidized coverage through Covered California, the state's health insurance marketplace. Under the new law, workers will pay nothing for premiums during strikes. Labor groups which supported the bill say annually the law will affect fewer than 5,000 of the state's nearly 15 million private sector workers. Covered California estimates it will spend nearly $1.5 million to launch the new benefit that passed without opposition from business or taxpayer groups. That was reporter Stephanie O'Neill from Kaiser Health News. New reporting shows that the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation moves prisoners with serious mental illnesses three times more often than other prisoners. CalMatters investigations reporter Baronda Lyons has more. The California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation's mental health care system is designed to move people as their mental health needs change. So as people get sicker or better, they move around the prison system. We found one person who moved 75 times over the last six years. And advocates say that these kinds of shifts can be destabilizing for people who are already in a fragile mental state. That was CalMatters' Baronda Lyons. For years, California officials have struggled to decide whether to list the western Joshua tree as an endangered species. It might sound like a simple decision. If it looks like it's going extinct, add it to the list. But the quest for this beloved symbol of the Mojave Desert has been far from simple. Kaylee Wells from member station KCRW reports. It starts with a member of the public petitioning to the California Fish and Game Commission that a species needs protection. The Western Joshua Trees champion is a guy named Brendan Cummings. Fifteen or so years ago, I did the litigation that forced the Bush administration to protect the polar bear under the Federal Endangered Species Act. He's conservation director for the Center of Biological Diversity. He's litigated plenty of Endangered Species Act cases, but this one's personal. He's got dozens of them in his backyard here in the town of Joshua Tree. If you look around us here, the adult Joshua trees we're seeing were recruited into the population under a climate that no longer exists. But the case he's making isn't easy. California has never listed a species because it's threatened by climate change. There are still millions of them spanning thousands of square miles. When you list a plant as endangered, you have to either avoid killing it or move it to a new place or pay a fee for killing it. 
Kelly Herbinson says it's worth the trouble. She's the co-executive director of the Mojave Desert Land Trust. What we're seeing right now is unprecedented. This is serious. <laughs> and I, I don't know that that's always obvious if you're not doing this every day and working on the land every day and the effects. At lower elevations, the western Joshua tree is facing the worst drought in more than a thousand years. But if you were to go to, say, the West Mojave, I mean, they're mostly brown. In its middle elevations, the Joshua tree's habitat has been checkerboarded into small islands by decades of development. Joshua trees are similar to everything else, where as soon as you start fragmenting their habitat, they're going to start to suffer because they're not able to um, have that genetic flow between populations. And then, of course, at its higher elevations, the Joshua tree is facing a threat it rarely encountered before. We're having significantly increased wildfires across the desert region, across everywhere. There's also the problem of the tree's lifelong partner, the yucca moth. The tree is completely reliant on the moth to survive. And the moth is completely reliant on the tree. But as the climate warms, the moth isn't reproducing like it used to. But after nearly three years at the board meeting in June... Widespread and abundant species tend to be less vulnerable to extinction. The Department of Fish and Wildlife determined that there just isn't compelling evidence that the tree could go extinct in the foreseeable future, that it has time to adapt to climate change. So they recommended the commission vote against listing. But almost all of the peer-reviewed scientists said that finding was wrong, and hundreds of members of the public showed up to voice their opinions. In one corner, you've got local politicians. Listing the Joshua tree as an endangered species will have permanent economic damages to the livelihood of my constituents. The local water board, building developers, the labor unions. This would take away a lot of the jobs that solar companies provide for us to do out there in in the vast desert that's out there. Saying that listing an abundant tree would hurt development and jobs. But then in the other corner, with conservationists and scientists, you've got national politicians like Senator Dianne Feinstein and local tribal groups. It's so intertwined in our history, our traditions, our stories. Everything includes these Joshua trees, and we owe it to them. They've protected us. They've provided for us. All making the case that the western Joshua tree is disappearing. The commission ended up putting off the decision until February. Cummings says he doubts the fight will even end then. Various business interests will undoubtedly sue And conversely, if the commission votes against protecting Joshua trees, I will sue, (laughs) attempting to overturn, you know, that unscientific decision. And Herbinson says even though the road ahead to saving the Western Joshua tree is long, she feels optimistic. I think we can do it. I really think we can do it. This is affecting all the species out here. And that we're coming up with ways to do it. For The California Report, I'm Kaylee Wells in Joshua Tree. Support for The California Report comes from Personal Capital, providing people with financial tools like the Retirement Planner to help them achieve their financial goals, personalcapital.com. Guideline, their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes, more at guideline.com slash CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, 
Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at schmidtocean.org. And that's the California Report for Monday, November 28th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. 200 miles off the coast of Alaska sits the small island of St. George. The isolated community of well under 100 had to do without tap water for a month. National Native News investigates the cause of the water crisis coming up. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. St. George Island is an Alaska Native community that prides itself on its resourcefulness, but that was put to the test after its water system failed. The island is about 200 miles off the coast of Alaska. Only 35 people live there, and they were not able to drink their tap water for almost a month. It's been pretty murky. It's brown, even boiling. You don't trust to use it for washing dishes. Anastasia Kashaviroff says tribes and native corporations donated supplies of bottled water, which went fast. The public safety building did have water that could be used for cleaning. Kashaviroff says families had to haul five-gallon buckets to their homes to flush toilets and mop floors. This went on for several weeks as crews tried to pinpoint the cause of the problem. Finally, they tracked it down to a broken water line. When the city crew dug into the ground, they were shocked at what they found, a clean break in the pipe that was right on top of a huge rock. The mayor of St. George, Mark Merkuliev, began to wonder if an earthquake caused the damage. One had jolted the island a few days before the water ran out. Although the cause of the break will likely remain a mystery, he says the community learned a lot from the experience. You know, you got to know the ins and outs of your systems here, and also to be able to, whether it's state agencies or federal agencies, be able to explain situations like that. The water system was up and running in time for Thanksgiving, but St. George still has to boil its drinking water until the lines are completely flushed out. Mary Peltola, who won a special election to cover the rest of the late Alaska Congressman Don Young's term, went on to become the first Alaska Native woman elected to Congress and now has become the first Alaska U.S. representative to be elected by ranked choice voting. Last week, when second choice ballots were counted, Peltola received enough to win the race and credits the new system of voting to her election. I am not liberal leaning enough. I think that at the beginning of the race in the special, there were two individuals that were really favored and chosen and it was their time was the feedback that I was getting from a lot of folks within the Democratic establishment. Peltola won with 54 percent of the vote, about 10 percent more than her Republican challenger, former Governor Sarah Palin. Proponents of ranked choice voting say the system helps to elect more moderate candidates and minorities. Peltola says she'll focus on Alaska priorities and will try to balance that with efforts to work on behalf of Native Americans. She says her election gets her a seat at the table, which puts her in a position to help tribes. Native American comedian and writer Janice Schmeeding switched gears ahead of her planned visit to the University of Oregon last week. KLCC's Brian Bull has more. Schmeeding had planned to do a day full of activities at her alma mater, but tested positive for COVID after landing in Eugene. I got it at a Smashing Pumpkins concert at the Hollywood Bowl, so... (laughs) 
We'll blame the Smashing Pumpkins fans. Instead, Schmeeting did visits in a Be Indigenous Joy campus presentation via Zoom to keep people safe. She's a UO alum of the class of 2005 and has written and acted for two Native-themed series, Rutherford Falls and Reservation Dogs. Schmeeting assures fans that her COVID case is mild, she's up on her vaccinations, and she's resting at her parents' place. I'm not suffering at all. And I'm well taken care of. My mom and my dad are really showing up for me. (laughs) Schmeeding's relatives, including her brother, grandmother, and a cousin, appeared at the Tuesday event on her behalf. For National Native News, I'm Brian Bull. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. You've probably seen those car ads, low price, low payments, but when you get to the dealer, there could be a catch. If a dealer isn't honest when it comes to its car ads, tell the Federal Trade Commission at reportfraud.ftc.gov. Support by the Federal Trade Commission. Support for law and justice-related programming provided by Hobbs, Strauss, Dean & Walker, a national law firm dedicated to promoting and defending tribal rights for nearly 40 years. More information available at HobbsStrauss.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Let's take a look at our local news. The topic of short-term rentals, or STRs, within city limits took center stage at last week's Grass Valley City Council meeting. Grass Valley City Manager Tim Kaiser proposed the use of new monitoring technology to track the increase in short-term rentals. Kaiser specifically mentioned contracting with Deckard Technology. Deckard tracks posts for vacation homes and, according to their website, produces refined real estate datasets into visual reports and detailed individual property profiles. Cities try and understand the trends in SDRs to enforce ordinances, manage registrations, and secure taxes and fees. Many rentals through booking platforms such as Airbnb and VRBO go undetected, which can be a loss of revenue for the city. According to the Union of Grass Valley, there are currently only 28 total vacation homes existing within the Grass Valley city limits. The City Council discussed the possibility of placing a cap on the number of STRs allowed. However, it was determined that the City would continue to monitor the STRs rather than limit the number allowed. Mayor Benjamin Aguilar said, quote, STRs are not such a problem here, not like Truckee or Tahoe. Councilmember Tom Ivey expressed concerns for the revenue the City was losing with STRs that were not permitted or licensed. The city is in the process of entering into a new contract with an STR monitoring and compliance company, specifically the one previously mentioned by city manager Tim Kaiser, Deckard Technology. The hope is that Deckard will provide insight into the landscape of STRs in the city and help ensure that the city is enforcing permits, licensing requirements, and other compliance measures. This reported by the Union of Grass Valley. In less than a week, Sacramento Streets will be hosting the annual California International Marathon, where more than 9,000 runners will take on the 26-mile route through Sacramento. For those not running but wishing for a weekend trip to the state capital, you may find your normal course barred. 
Road closures for the December 4th race will start Friday, December 2nd, as crews prep the course. The marathon kicks off at 7 a.m. at the Folsom Dam and ends at Sacramento State Capitol. Check out the Sacramento Running Association website for a full list of the scheduled road closures. Turning our attention to your local weather forecast from the National Weather Service, following a warm and dry Thanksgiving weekend, temperatures across Northern California will plunge this week as multiple storm systems are expected to drop rain in Sacramento and dump snow on the Sierra Nevada. The first storm, which arrives today, is forecast to dust the Sierra with up to three inches of snow and create powerful winds on the mountains. According to National Weather Service meteorologist Scott Rowe, the Sierra Nevada could see one to two feet of snow drop between Wednesday morning and Thursday evening. Rowe warns the heavy snow forecast is likely to cause travel impacts and possible road closures. In Sacramento Valley, Rowe says residents should brace for near or below freezing temperatures overnight, as well as gusty winds and rainfall later this week. Quote, we could be seeing some of the coldest weather so far this season in Sacramento, he says. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 29. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 49. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 11. Tuesday, sunny with a high near 39. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, areas of frost after 5 a.m., otherwise mostly clear with a low around 36. Tuesday, areas of frost before 8 a.m., otherwise sunny with a high near 57. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. This year, Black Friday sales raked in a record $9.12 billion from online shoppers alone. Huge companies like Apple and Walmart saw staggering profits. But what about the little guys? Up ahead, KVMR's Felton Pruitt fills us in on Sierra Commons Small Business Summit this Friday. We're talking with Robert Trent from Sierra Commons. They have a whole bunch of stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks. Robert, why don't you tell us about what's going down there at Sierra Commons? Thanks for having me, Felton. So, yeah, we're having this uh, really cool event. Uh, Sierra Commons is partnering with the Sierra SBDC and a bunch of other organizations to bring a capital summit to Grass Valley. Now, what does that mean? What does a capital summit mean? The the capital summit is designed for entrepreneurs, business owners that are looking at ways to finance their business, whether it's expansion, just to grow their business in one way or another, and uh, it takes some money. And so there's a lot of different ways to get financing for your business. And so this event is bringing together a couple panel discussions. The first one is uh, traditional and alternative lenders, and they're talking about um, options um, that they provide in their portfolio to give to businesses. And then we have another panel of local organizations that provide free resources to people looking for a loan. They can get uh, loan ready, as we call it. Those organizations like Sierra Commons, the Economic Resource Council, of course, the SBDC, the Sierra Small Business Development Center, and a host of other organizations, the California Office of the Small Business Advocate. So there's a lot of local resources that can help individuals figure out how to become loan ready and then 
there's a panel discussion with people that provide those loans. And this is all happening Friday, December 2nd. It is, yeah. And it's at the Grange in Grass Valley. And um, Allison Lehman, county CEO, is kicking off the event with an introduction. We'll have a representative from the Small Business Administration from the Sacramento District Office. And another great thing about the event is Travis Duckworth, who's a, a local entrepreneur, a former teacher at uh, in the local school system, he has a new program with Soul Learning Institute, and he was able to raise $200,000 from the community in a very innovative way. And so he's talking about how he bootstrapped the startup of this, his organization and is providing uh, education uh, for youth on sustainability. So that is uh, really cool. And lunch is provided with a generous donation from River Valley Bank. Free lunch, everybody. Yay, hey. awesome. <laughs> We're talking with Robert Trent from Sierra Commons. They're putting on the Capital Summit for Small Businesses on Friday, December 2nd, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Golden Empire Grange in Grass Valley. How do people get more information about this, Robert? Yeah, this is a free event, and you can just go to sierracommons.org and click on the event calendar, and there's a free registration there, along with some other events we have going on. So, you know, make it simple as possible to show up and bring your business cards and, and listen. And, and we hope to match the businesses with the right type of lender. And so there's a variety of lenders there, and there'll be time for networking and talking with the people. Sierra Commons has some other events coming up, too, in the next few weeks. Give people a quick uh, overview of that. Yeah, so we actually have a um, double header on December 6th, starting with our lunch, uh, regular Lunch and Learn series, which is from 12 to 1 at Sierra Commons. And this is all about advertising on Facebook and Instagram. A Business Igniter graduate, Quinna Water, is presenting, and it's a, it's a fun yet casual Meet up at Sierra Commons, teach you all about advertising. And then in the evening, continuing with our monthly tech meetups, it's at the Communal Cafe. It's for anyone that's interested in technology, that works in technology, a programmer or engineer of any sort. And this one's focus is on robotics and drones. So that's a cool topic, and people are bringing in their robotics. We're going to have some people with drones. And anyone that's interested in that can show up. There's also um, some cool job opportunities we're actually um, going to be highlighting with some local tech employers. So it's a good way to network and uh, meet like-minded folks, learn something, have some fun, and um, geek out with a bunch of other technologists. All righty. We've been talking with Robert Trent from Sierra Commons. Give him the uh, website where people can get all this information, Robert. SierraCommons.org. Real good. Thanks for all the information. Thank you, Felton. That's our newscast for this Monday, November 28th. Visit us online at kvmr.org and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and HBE Rentals. Nevada and Placer County's Equipment Rental and Supply Yard since 1994, serving homeowners and businesses with high-reach equipment including aerial work platforms, scissor, and boom lifts. Information at gohbe.com and Weiss Landscaping, 
With over 75 years of generational experience in landscape architecture, design, and installation, Weiss Landscaping Crews are experienced and provide accountability on craftsmanship, installations, and irrigation projects. Go Weisslandscaping.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Tuesday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.